listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to get into something super important today. Um, I like to I like to see all my friends on. I like it. Awesome. Um, we just came, I just came from me and everyone that that lives down here in South Florida. We just oh 16 degrees. Ugh, New York 19 degrees. Ugh. South Africa is it nice in South Africa this time? Low 60s isn't that bad. New Jersey I don't even want to know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to know the temperature in New Jersey right now. Oh, 19 degrees, 16 degrees, whatever. Um, that's why I live here, expecting snow tomorrow. Not okay. Um, we just got back from, or I just came directly to the studio from church at Abundant Life. Um, we were having prayer, because um, they're doing prayer and fasting as well, but we had um, prayer and worship night. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you go to a church like this, but this has happened to me a couple times. I, I, you know, the worship music was playing, everyone was worshiping, I had my hands lifted. And you ever have that moment where like a yawn comes on and you're like, no, this is going to look bad. Like, no, though, nobody's, though nobody's watching you, I get it. Nobody's paying attention to you. It's not about you. But you feel a yawn, you're like, dude, I don't want to yawn. I'm going to look like, um, you know, like I'm disinterested, I'm bored or whatever. And so I just had to, I had to, so I let out a big yawn and I opened my eyes and I look down, and there's the there's the the photographer, like the live stream guy, <laughs> and he's like got his camera directly pointed at me, and so like I I like open my eyes, like are you kidding me? So that that now moment is immortalized on live stream forever, um, always the best. Ugh. That's hot. I remember, and I'll get into it. I promise. I remember I was at a worship night. Um, where this was, this was a different kind of worship night than I was used to. Um, I attended a church in Virginia Beach who was very big into uh, house meetings. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a church like that, but they loved meeting at someone's house. Someone would pull out the, the acoustic guitar. My mug. This is my mug now. I got this from the cabinet. There's two of them, so I claim this one. I'm the nonstop mom here. Um, so, you know, they're very big into the guy pulling out the acoustic guitar, slowly strumming and everything. This particular worship and prayer meeting, I go, everyone's sitting around on the couch, um, <laughs> and they're playing very slow, very slow, like acoustic guitar and singing, like, like painfully slow, just like, you know, it's, it, I was like, ugh. So it was, it was actually like 9 o'clock at night, Slow guitar playing, soft singing. The the lights were off in the house. They had the fireplace going. There was a <laughs> there was a thunderstorm going out going on outside. And so everyone's sitting on the couch like like this. And so I lean back and um and you know I I, clo- I close my eyes. It's nine o'clock. What I got tired, I'm sorry. You know, I'd like to say I was praying. I wasn't praying. Everyone else was closing their eyes. I fell dead asleep. No joke. I was like dead asleep. And I'm like, and I'm like hugging this pillow during this worship night. 
And so when the worship night comes to an end, someone approaches me because I guess they, were, they watched me and realized that I had fallen asleep. And so they said to me that they had a prophetic word that I've never encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit before um, because in their mind, they're probably thinking, well, of course, how? How in the world could this person not be interested in this worship night? He must need the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, he, he was like telling me, you know, the Lord just showed me you, you just need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You never experienced that before. There's a greater realm in God that he starts teaching me out of the Bible about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there like, all right, bro. Like, listen, I fell asleep. You made it a cozy environment. I'm sorry. So that's just... Those are just two stories to amuse you. Welcome, everybody. Share it up before we get started. Um, day 10 of the fast, I want to hear in the comments. That, no, that's a real story. That is a real story. Lilia, if Lilia's on, she was also at this worship night. She can tell you. She can tell you. Also, the same night, I had another guy give me the most whack prophetic word I've ever received in my life. Um, that's for a different night. But... uh just having PTSD as I um, <laughs> oh, just having PTSD as I recount these memories. But moral of the story is either don't go to worship nights where they are very cozy and, and you know, that kind of vibe, or bring a Red Bull. That's that's the uh, moral of the story. But day ten of the fast, I want to hear in the comments how you guys are doing during this fast. I want to hear has has it been easy for you? Like for me, I recognize like. You know, like I said before, there's, there's, I've done two 21-day fasts in January before. So 2021, 2022, this is my third. And as I'm looking back, this one right now, I can tell, has been the easiest on my flesh. Not that it's not, you know, not that it's not challenging. But I can tell that, like, it's easy because of the expectation I feel in my spirit. I want to hear how you're doing. Are you, you know, have you enco- encountered, like, hunger strikes? Do you have any questions about, like, how to, you know, how to get past that? I want to see how you're doing in the, um, in the comments, but we're going to get into it. I want to encourage you before we get into the teaching, um, around day 10, we're, we're coming to the middle of the, uh, we're coming to the middle of the fast. And this is the time, about the time, that people start to uh, kind of t- take it easy, right? So they, they press in the first, first week, first week and a half. When it comes to like the middle, people, like I said before, uh, kind of take their foot off the gas pedal, right? Um, but I want to encourage you, as you get into this, I want to encourage you, as you're in the middle of this fast, the potency of what you're doing. Understand the potency of prayer and fasting. You know, as, as people that do this every year, sometimes we might lose uh, sight of the fact that what we're doing is a highly spiritual thing. Very highly spiritual thing. This isn't a diet. This isn't a Christian discipline only, so to speak, though it is a discipline. But it's a highly spiritual activity that we're engaging in. And if we engage in a highly spiritual activity, we're going to have highly spiritual results. I mean, if you look through the Bible on how, you know, what happens during uh, days of fasting and prayer. You look in the book of Judges. They fasted one day, and it was a six to six fast. And God gave them a massive uh, military victory. And that was just one day of six to six fasting. Where most of us are doing 21 days of either six to six or uh, a full fast. 
So, so look, at the, look at the ramifications that, that came in the Bible. Don't lose sight of the fact um, that in the Bible, when people fast, when God's people fast, big things happen. Don't expect small. Don't expect that you're going to come to the end and, you're, and nothing's going to change. Expect big things. Look at, you know, go in the Bible in your reading time to supplement your, uh, the reading plan that we have set out, which you should be engaging in, um, which if you don't have the reading plan, that's in the private Facebook group that you can join if you're not already in it. But um, in, your, in your time, I want you to look, continue to look at the times that the people of God started fasting and praying, right? The book of Judges, the book of Daniel, when he fasted in Daniel 9. You see Jesus fast, right? So go back to those times and see what the results of it were because everything with God is repeatable. Everything with God is repeatable. And if you look at the Old Testament examples, think about how even greater things happen now because we have a better covenant established upon better promises. A better covenant established upon better promises. So we're going to get into it today and then we're going to pray at the end and I'm believing that God's going to transform our lives tonight. Um, I want you to go with me to, his, uh, not Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. See, Bonnie Benedict says, not enough sleep. Well, see, I would recommend more sleep then. Um, so your second 21-day fast. Yeah, I see in the comments that people have said, it's, it's been easy, it's, I feel good. I feel good. I don't feel like, you know, I'm dragging at all. If you do the proper things like get enough hydration and electrolytes and everything and sleep, um, then you'll, you'll see it's not like, you know, your, your mood swings aren't like crazy. Um, Exodus 33, I want you to turn there. This kind of came up in my spirit today as I was thinking about what um, I would teach on. And this is such an important topic that we need to get uh, going into 2023. You saw that I titled it, Cultivating the Atmosphere of the Anointing. Cultivating an Atmosphere, or How to Cultivate the, an Atmosphere of the Anointing. It's so important that as we go into 2023, we have, um, going with us wherever we go, wherever we are, the tangible presence of God. The tangible presence of God. You... I can note that there, most Christians don't live in this realm, which it's, it's crazy because this is one of, the, uh, one of the effects of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's read Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. We'll start at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know uh, whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I might know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. Think about this. This is the key scripture. Exodus 33, 14. And he said, uh, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, so Exodus 33, 15, Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Another translation says, 
if your presence doesn't go with us, don't let us go. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go at all. So just in a, in a very rudimentary uh, definition, what does it mean to cultivate the presence of God? What is the presence of God? You know, there's, as I mentioned, this, this group, uh, it's, a, it's a very large group of Christians called Reformed Theology. Reformed Theology. They obviously don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in signs and wonders like we do. Um, and even the extreme uh, re Reformed people would kind of mock Pentecostals. And one of the, the key like places they mock us in you know charismatics and Pentecostals is when someone says, I just feel the presence of the Lord, right? A, a charismatic or Pentecostal would say, I, I feel the presence of the Lord in here, right? And a Reformed uh, theologian or whatever would, would look at them and say, um, well, you know, how foolish is it to say, I feel the presence of the Lord? God is omnipresent. So obviously the Lord is present. He's not He's, there, there's no time where God's not everywhere. So how arrogant for you to say that you feel the presence of the Lord. But understand this. Yes, God's omnipresent. But though he is everywhere, he chooses to be somewhere. God is everywhere, but he chooses to be somewhere. And I want your prayer today to be, Lord, I want my life to be a vessel of your presence. I want my house to be a place where your presence dwells. There are places and there are atmospheres in which the Holy Spirit can operate, and there are atmospheres in which the Holy Spirit cannot operate. There are households in which the Holy Spirit is, uh, is, uh, has dominion in that realm. There are households where the Holy Spirit has no place in that home. How many of you have ever heard someone tell you, I have, someone tell you, I don't know what it is. Maybe it was an unbeliever. I don't know what it is, man. But whenever I get around you, I just feel, I don't know, you're just so happy. I just feel happy all of a sudden. Unbelievers don't really know uh, what words to, to put to it, what words to put to the anointing. You know, it's funny. I told this on the last gen broadcast like a week ago. And I said, you know, I was getting a haircut. At a, um, at a local spot where my little cousin gets a haircut all the time, Teddy. And so my uncle always brings in uh, Teddy to this place. And so the barber that I go to, I love him. He's a great guy. Um, I, you know, he's good to talk to. He's really down to earth. I like him. But this barber, I'm telling you, the entire time I got my haircut, this barber could not stop talking about my uncle. He really, really, really likes uh, Pastor Ted, really. And so th this man is saved. He says he's a Christian, and, and I believe it. But he's definitely not, he's not a Pentecostal, um, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit in that way. But it was funny to me, it was kind of interesting to, to me to hear the, the phrases that he would use for like what makes someone who's anointed different. He would say things like, I don't know, man, it's just like, it's like his, his enthusiasm or, you know, it's just like his, his, like, passion. And I thought to myself, yes, he's passionate, but it's not just his passion. Or it's, it's just like the conviction with which he says things. Yes, he has conviction, but it's not just the conviction. I don't know, he's just such a good public speaker. Yeah, he's a good public speaker, but what you're sensing is not just good public speaking skills. He's not just a good orator, right? What, what people don't realize is that 
if you will, X factor or that tangible presence. That's the presence of God. That's the anointing. Simply put, the anointing is the manifest presence of God. That though God can be everywhere at once, He chooses to be somewhere. It reminds me of the place in Scripture where the Bible says, and, and God's, God was present, the power of God was present to heal. So yes, God's uh, presence was always present, but it, at this time, there was a purpose for it. There was a purpose for the presence of God. It was present to heal. That's the anointing. That's the anointing. The anointing is the tangible manifest presence of God. And so it can be felt. It can be cultivated. I believe a lot of Christians live in an area in which the Bible uh, refers to it as Ichabod. Ichabod. Many Christians live in a place of Ichabod. And what does Ichabod mean? Well, Ichabod, in the original Hebrew, if you remember in uh, 1 Samuel, the priest named his son Ichabod. Why? Because it, it literally meant the glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. The glory of the Lord has departed from Israel. And so they recognized, wait a second, God's presence isn't dwelling with us like it was. Ichabod. And so, sadly, many Christians live in an environment of that. That though they are saved, though many times they can be filled with the Holy Spirit, their house, the place they live, the, the place they cultivate is void of the anointing. Why? Because they haven't taken steps to cultivate the anointing. You have to cultivate the anointing. You know, I think this is like one of, the, one of my main prayer requests for 2023 is right here, what Moses said. If your presence doesn't go with us, let us not go. That should be your prayer request. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. I don't want to go anywhere void of your presence. Why? Because he realized the importance of the presence of God. He realized, he recognized, not only will they be ineffective in what they're called to do. I mean, think about the importance of what Moses was doing, leading millions and millions of people through the desert to the promised land. Number one, if the presence of the Lord didn't go with them, they wouldn't have made it to their destination. There would be no leading, like we talked about last night. And because, like we talked about last night, the presence of the Lord leads, right? If the Lord's presence didn't go with them, there'd be no protection. They would have died in the desert. And so Moses knew that. Another thing, Moses recognized, if I don't have the presence of the Lord, I can't be an effective leader. I can't lead these people. That's another function of the presence of God, the anointing. He also recognized, if I don't have the presence of God, then uh, we can't accomplish what you've told us to do. We don't know if we have your favor. And that's what he mentions in, in uh, chapter 33. But as you're, I want you to put that in the comments. That's right. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. That's our prayer tonight. If your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. I can't stand. I don't want to live my life knowing about Jesus, but, but not being one who, you know, of whom it was said, just like John and, and, uh, and Peter, 
I can tell that they've been with Jesus. How did the Pharisees know that they've been with Jesus? They said, I can tell these are uneducated men, right? They don't have a formal education. I can tell that they're common men, that they're not, you know, they're on their own. They're not popular. They're not famous. But he said, we can tell, we can clearly perceive that you've been with Jesus. That's what I want uh, to be said of my life. We can tell that he's been with Jesus. That's my prayer, and I know that's your prayer too. We can tell that he's been with Jesus. And during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that's one of the main facets of uh, prayer and fasting. That as we get, because as Pastor Ted has mentioned many, many times, we don't just fast to fast, right? We don't just stop eating. You have to couple prayer with that. Couple prayer with your fasting. Otherwise, fasting, there's no use in fasting. Like he says all the time, and, I, and Bishop Oyedepo was the, the first one who said this, but he said, if you're not praying for an hour a day, at least just eat something. Just eat something, because it's worth nothing. But as we're going into these times of prayer, these are going to be the, the deepest encounters with the Lord that you've ever experienced. Why? Because the, God wants to, you know, just switch it up? No. It's because, number one, he honors your faithfulness. And he honors your faith. The faith of, of Jacob that says, Lord, I won't let you go until you bless me. So he honors that, number one. But, more practically, when you break down the flesh man, just like in Galatians 5, Paul says, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. Your spirit wants to please God, but your flesh is at enmity with God. It's an enemy of God doesn't want to pray. Your flesh doesn't want to stop eating. But um, when you do stop, start to pray and fast, you're breaking down the temple. You're breaking down the, the physical body that you have. You're depriving it of calories. You're, you're breaking down your flesh's will, and your spirit becomes on top. And as your spirit becomes on top, you're more sensitive to the anointing. I want to ask this to the people that are watching just because I'm curious. How many other people have noticed that in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that as you go to pray, it's not that your prayers, you know, you just feel like better about your prayer. It's that many times before it would take you a minute to kind of, you know, get quiet before the Lord and push away distractions and everything and, and quiet your mind, quiet your flesh to get into the presence of God. But how many have noticed that in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's become much easier to just go right into the presence of God? And many of you even have recognized, even as you're walking around your house, you're, you, you've prayed already throughout the day, you know, you've already done your Bible reading, your prayer, but you're just doing mundane tasks. You're at work, whatever. As you're in this fasted state, you can, you can just sense the presence of God. Right, Rebecca said praying is so easy right now. Right, not because your spirit is now more willing to pray. It's that that blockage, the flesh, the man that was literally restraining you. I mean, I, I want you to start thinking about your flesh as another person because you aren't your flesh. You are your spirit. But the person that was restraining you, pushing you back, trying to get you to stop pressing into God is now weakened. A strong man has been weakened. Now your, your spirit's in control. It's the, uh, it has dominion in your life. 
And so praying is, is much easier, but maybe people have, have been able to tell that as you're doing mundane tasks, that you can feel the presence of God. You can feel the anointing walking through your house, doing laundry, doing the dishes. You can hear God's voice just doing the dishes, right? That's right. See, Jocelyn, exactly, everyone's saying it. Absolutely, I can jump right in and I feel so full of joy. That's right. Everything's pushed, all distractions are pushed aside. And that's why, <laughs> it's funny, people come to the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and on the 21st day, many people say, I'm going 30 days. Why? Because they, they, once your spirit gets in control, they like that state. You know, I, other, aside from like the fact that I am in the natural hungry, I like the, the feeling of my spirit being in control. You can discern things better. You know, you can hear the voice of God better, right? It's, it's much easier to withstand temptation, obviously. And that's, that's how I believe that um, Adam operated. Right now, if you want to think about it in a very practical way and you want like a depiction of it, um, in the Garden of Eden, when, when there was no sin, as you know, we have a, we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and flesh. So you are your spirit, you have a body, or, or you live in a body, and you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. So you're a three-part being. In the Garden... Adam, the way it went, the hierarchy of his person was spirit on top, then soul, then flesh. That's how God created it. We're supposed to, we're supposed to have our spirit in control, being led by the spirit, right? What's leading? It's going before, going ahead, going first. Your spirit should be in control. But when Adam sinned, when he allowed his flesh to take dominion, now it's lopsided. Now most people live upside down, where it's uh, flesh on top, which dictates to the soul, my mind, will, and my emotions, which then dictates to the spirit. That is completely opposite of what God intended. So what is fasting doing? It's taking that and flipping it right back to how God intended it to be. Isn't that powerful? That you're, you're living spirit-headed, spirit-controlled, led by the spirit. Right, so you're being led by the Spirit. But, you know, that's why many people start, you know, they're like, I, I want to go longer. I don't know, I just feel, I feel like I, I want to go longer. My spirit feels good. I feel, I feel good. I'm accomplishing everything during the day. But also my prayer time has been powerful. My, you know, my devotional life has been powerful. You like that. I, your spirit likes that. Your spirit right now is having uh, three, three course meals a day while your flesh is not eating. So just like my uncle encouraged us at the beginning of this fast, saying, you know, like, don't say, you know, when people say, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, flip it. Don't think about the natural hunger. Think about the spiritual hunger. So don't think, like, I'm not eating. Well, it's, it's true that you're not eating physically, but you are eating spiritually because the Word of God is the bread of heaven. So I, don't even think about it like, I'm not eating. I, I'm eating. I'm eating. A full meal as much as I can throughout a day. My spirit man is being enlarged. That's right, and when you start focusing on that, the natural hunger goes away. That's why, that's why he said, you know, that's why we always say, don't, uh, don't ever try to come to a point where you're not in taking the word of God, where you're not 
uh, feeding your spirit. It's, it's a hard thing, very hard thing. Leslie Joy said, I've been telling my kids, I'm going to go eat this meat. The word. That's right. That's a good confession. That's a good confession. So, if your prayer is like mine, Father, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. If, think about this. In, in all your endeavors, if your presence isn't in our church, we don't want to do it. This has been my prayer for last-gen youth as I'm getting ready. Father, if your presence isn't in that place during those services, in that youth group, I don't even want to do it. I have a distaste for ministry not led by the Holy Spirit. It's dry. It's dead. It's the same with life. If your presence isn't in my house, I don't want to be there. That's being dependent on the presence of God. And you say, well, well, Alex, I don't feel it all the time. Well, you don't actually have to feel it. Cultivate the anointing. Cultivate the presence of God. You're not always going to feel like super spiritual. But you'll notice that as you do start to cultivate uh, the presence of God, this is where the Holy Spirit dwells in a permanent sense. Where it's like, you know, some, whether things do try to attack your mind, attack your, you know, your thoughts or whatever, the presence of God doesn't leave the place. Your house can be a, a dwelling place for the presence of God. My uncle and aunt talk about this a lot. When workers come into the house that they live in, when uh, people who are just coming to fix things, you know, like the pest control guy or whatever, mounting a TV or whatever, people come in that are working, um, they always make mention, man, I don't know what it is, your house is so peaceful. It's, there's just such a peaceful house. You know, I, I just feel good. I don't want to leave. And I, my, parents, my parents' house was the same way. Look, my parents' house is like the, the hangout spot, like, like it was that 70s show, except we're not in the basement smoking weed. You get it? So everyone would come to my house, all my friends, we wouldn't go to other people's houses, naturally would just hang out at my house. Why? Because there, there's, a, there's a peace, there's a, there's a presence that even sinners are drawn to. But on the flip side, I've been in my, going, you know, growing up, I had friends that were unsaved, and I, I would go to their house. And, you know, my, uh, my uncle made mention of this uh, the other week, and he said, you know, I've always grown up in an atmosphere of the anointing. What is it like in other people's houses? You know, like, people make that, that comment all the time, man, your house is so peaceful. He's like, what could be happening in other people's houses? Well, I've been in houses where it's just like you walk in and you feel tension. You feel just like, Nobody, it doesn't mean, nobody can be talking. It could be completely silent. Everyone seems to be all peaceful. They're, they're, all, they're all nice and everything. But you can feel a tension in the house, like an uneasiness in the house. There's no peace. It like grates against your spirit. And if you've grown up in a house like, you know, like mine or like um, my, my family members, you're not used to that. And you go into other people's houses, you're like, man, how do you live here? How do you live here? Right? Um, but it's true. Many people live in an Ichabod uh, state in their life where the glory of the Lord has departed. How do we cultivate the anointing in our lives? We'll go through these, these quick points and then we'll pray. Number one, 
how to cultivate the anointing or the presence of God in your life, number one, get rid of things and people that grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of things and people that grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can be grieved? What does the word grief mean? If you're in grief, you're, you're distressed. There's, there's an element of sadness that goes to it. We're not, not like a dreary sadness, but, but a, di- a dissatisfaction. Grief. It shouldn't be like this. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has feelings. And I'll take you to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. But many people grieve the Holy Spirit and then wonder, I don't understand. It's just hard to pray all the time. I can't get into the presence of God. It's just it's difficult. I have to, it takes like 30 minutes and I don't understand anything from the word. Maybe it's that in your life you've allowed some things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Right here, uh, Ephesians 4.30, and this is what Paul says. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, there's two things that we can actually do to the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think that, you know, God, in His infinite wisdom, His omnipotence, is, you know, being all-powerful, has, um, you know, obviously dwelled on the inside of us, but he allows himself to take on emotions based on how we live, based on our actions, right? So there's two things you can do to the Holy Spirit. Number one, you can quench the Holy Spirit. In, in Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, he said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Quenching the Holy Spirit is when you feel in your spirit to go talk to someone about Jesus, to go pray for someone, is when you go, no, Lord, not now. This is a public place. People know me here. I can't be doing that. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. You're actually putting a stop to what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. So you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're stopping up the flow of the Holy Ghost. Many ministers do that, where the you know, Spirit starts moving and they want, they want to stop it because it gets weird, quote-unquote, they think. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. But also, more, you know, as equally as important, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Number one, blatant sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Blatant sin grieves the Holy Spirit. With this, it's a big theme among young people, I've found. They asked me the question, I don't understand how you feel the presence of God. I want to feel the presence of God. I've been asked this a lot. And so my first thing that I tell them, this is the first thing. Number one, get rid of sin in your life. Get rid of it completely, totally. You say, Alex, you can't do that. Jesus seems to have a different opinion. Be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. That means perfect. Perfect means perfect. There's no if, and, or but about it. God said this, be holy even as I am holy. When you walk in a place of unholiness, 
of disobedience to God, blatant sins, stuff that the Bible calls sin. The Holy Spirit is grieved. And it's not that every time you sin, I, I, need, to, I need you to understand this. It's not that every time you sin, the Holy Spirit leaves you. That's not how it works. You know, many people will quote David. And this, when I was younger, I heard Christians quote this, and it kind of, it grieved my spirit just hearing it. And I didn't know, I didn't understand it fully. But um, then I got to a, a Bible school, right? And I started learning what's called hermeneutics. And that's the study of the Holy Spirit. So I took that class. And you know, if you want to take that class, Miracle Word Ministries offers that class, hermeneutics, um, in Miracle Word University. And by the way, just as a side thing, if you ever think, well, you know, how good can that course be? I don't know. You know, it's just like video courses. Can it be actually on par with Bible college uh, lessons, Bible college curriculum? I went through a, um, a course of hermeneutics that was accredited by, and this is, I don't expect you, everyone to know what this means, but ABHE, which is the, one of the most uh, prominent Christian accrediting uh, commissions in the United States that accredit like Southeastern University, they accredit Regent, basically every Christian university that actually has a, um, right, Janine and Todd Kulbaugh, it's excellent, that's right. Um, they accredit all these Christian universities that you can get actual degrees out, out of, like actual bachelors, masters, PhDs, they, the ABHE accredits that. So I wasn't in some rinky-dink, uh, though, though, you know, sometimes the professors were questionable, but the curriculum was, was on point. It was, it was A-class curriculum. And as I was going through her, uh, hermeneutics, uh, just a couple of months earlier, my, my uncle had released hermeneutics in Miracle Word uh, University, and I took that. And so I took that and then jumped into the re, you know, a real Bible college class. And so I was like, I was baffled because like I literally learned everything that was here I had already learned months before because of um, the hermeneutics class. Like it's legit. It is, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm being very confident when I say this. It is more rigorous than the average day-to-day -day Bible college. It's true. So, shameless plug, but go to miraclewordu.com. But, you hear people quote the verse of Scripture in Psalms, in the book of Psalms. And David says, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And people will quote that all the time. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then, but I've then heard Christians start quoting that. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And if you learn, like the first thing you learn in hermeneutics, that as we talked about earlier in the week, um, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit couldn't indwell people. He couldn't live inside of people. You know, as Paul mentions that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that wasn't the case with Old Testament saints. That wasn't the case. They weren't the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't live inside of them. They were unregenerate, not able to be uh, to house the Holy Spirit. But in this New Testament era, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He literally, don't think of this as some like ethereal, like he lives in my heart through my thoughts and prayers. He literally lives in your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, just making sure everything is, uh, is still on because it says, that one of one down there. Um, your body literally is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so, people will quote, uh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But in this New Testament era, the, 
The Holy Spirit doesn't just come and go, come and go. Where he's like, you know, I live in your body one day and now I don't live in your body the next. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. He permanently indwells the believer. Now, do I believe that people can walk away from their salvation? Of course, yes. And, and, and then the Holy Spirit does not live in their body. But if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit doesn't just decide uh, day to day whether he's going to live in your body. He permanently indwells your physical body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the prayer, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me, in a New Testament context, is unscriptural. I don't have to pray that God doesn't take away the Holy Spirit. David could pray that because the Holy Spirit only came upon people for a certain task or, um, or uh, thing that they were supposed to do, like a task at hand. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone to you know, fight a battle. The Holy Spirit would come upon uh, Samson to, in his strength. He wasn't the temple of the Holy Spirit, but now he permanently lives within me. So don't pray, take not your Holy Spirit from me. God's not going to rip away the Holy Spirit from you. But though the Holy Spirit always lives within you, there are things that you can do in your life that stop the manifest presence of God. Can we all agree that not everyone carries the presence of God? That's a Christian. We can agree on that, right? So the, the Holy Spirit lives in them, but the Holy Spirit can't get from within them to outside of them. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39, he says, In that day, rivers of living water will flow from without, fr flow from within, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So many people, though they're saved, there's just a well. But when you have the manifest presence of God, the anointing, you're a river. A well is stagnant, a river is flowing. A well is stagnant, a river is flowing. So it's very clear. People can do things that stop the flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. Blatant sin does that. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And though one sin doesn't rip away your salvation, you will notice if you live a a, a and I won't say, you know, a lifestyle of continuous sin. If you live a lifestyle of continuous sin, that will lead you to hell. You will walk away from your salvation. That is very clear in Scripture. If you live a lifestyle of unrepentant sin, unrepentant sin. But when, if a believer sins, I don't want to say when. You don't have to sin, right? John, John in his epistle said, I'm writing these things to you so that you do not sin. But if you do sin, if you have sinned, then the presence of God can't flow like he does before because he's grieved. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's grieved. So number one, blatant sin. Blatant sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Number two, worry grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me just go, go here. Worry grieves the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that people that always, you know, the worrisome people that, that many of us know in our lives, always worrying about the next thing, worrying about, you know, wor literally, they'll, they'll not find anything not to worry about. Worry about the most mundane things. I just don't understand. The, I, I wonder if the package just hasn't been delivered because of something. Worry is commanded by Jesus. You're commanded by Jesus. Do not worry. 
Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about anything. So in Matthew, you know what? This just came to my mind. Instead of going to Matthew 6, where Jesus said, do not worry. Let's go to Philippians. Um, Philippians. Humor me here, as this has just come to my mind. That is not in my notes. I want to see what it says. Is this helping somebody? I hope this is helping somebody. Philippians. Look at this. Look how Paul connects the absence of worry with the presence of God. Still here. I, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't think that you guys left, but that is good to know. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. Very common scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, right? Don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And think about this, the trade-off. Make your requests, or, or don't be anxious about anything. Then what will happen? He says, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Think about that. So he's saying if you're anxious, you won't have any peace. But if, if you cast aside anxiety, if you cast aside worry, then the peace of God will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. That's the presence of God, the manifest peace of God. That's the presence of God. So if you have worry in your life, you can be sure that you're not going to be a person that has the manifest presence of God in their life. Worry, let me, let me think if I can, I can remember how R.W. Schambach always said it. Worry are... Are you, is you paying dividends on something that hasn't even happened yet? Worry is you paying dividends on something that never even happened. Worry is connected with unbelief. Because truly, if you look in the Word of God, the reason we've got nothing to worry about is because God has, has shown us the things that are, that are to come. Meaning like, people say, I don't, <laughs> this is a very common cliche. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow, amen. Uh, I know what tomorrow holds because I know who holds tomorrow. That's such a dumb statement. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I mean, you know, we, we know who holds tomorrow. That's not true. I know what tomorrow holds. If God is true, tomorrow holds healing, tomorrow holds blessing, tomorrow holds peace, Tomorrow holds prosperity. Tomorrow holds, you know, think about it. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Goodness and mercy shall follow me the rest of my days, all the days of my life. So I don't have to worry what, what tomorrow will bring. I know what tomorrow will bring. The Word of God said it. So I don't have to worry about what tomorrow will bring because he's already said it. So worry is connected to unbelief. And so that's why if you're a person of worry, if you're always looking at things, and we'll group these two, two together because they go hand in hand. Worry and fear. Worry and fear. Have you noticed that people who always have the news on are always people that are worried? People that have the news on are always people that are worried. 
always playing 24 hours of CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. You know what I've learned? And this isn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not bashing, you know, any party in particular. But, you know, I, I think a lot of times Christians can go hard on, yeah, I don't put that CNN crap on. I don't put, you know, Communist News Network on. I don't put MSNBC on because they're liberal platforms, right? But I've seen people become just as fearful over Fox News as they have over CNN. There's nothing, by the way, there's nothing righteous about Fox News. I like some of the people on Fox News, okay? I'm not saying, you know, they're, you know. But don't think just because it's conservative news that you're getting a peaceful environment in your home. They both spew worry and fear and lies. It doesn't matter. If you, throughout COVID, maybe there was less on Fox News, but still, you still heard the same lies on Fox News as you did on CNN. I saw this reel that people put together of local news channels, and they were reciting this, um, this phrase. You know, it, it would cut from like local news channels all over the United States, and it was different companies. One, some were uh, C, uh, CBC news platforms, some were Fox news platforms, some were MSNBC, CNN, right, all the local channels. Um, and so they were starting re reading the script saying, I wish I could play it right now, but I didn't think about to put it on. But they were reading the script saying, we're committed to, to, uh, to only broadcasting the truth. We're fighting uh, misinformation. But as they were talking, you'd switch to each different news platform. They were all reading the exact same script. The exact same script, like word for word. They all have the same script. Every news platform has the same script. And people have a tendency to, if they you know, watch Fox News, think, you know, are conservative, which I'm not bashing if you're, you're conservative. But you don't trust in your conservative thoughts. You don't trust in, in Tucker Carlson. And I like to, listen, I like Tucker Carlson. But news on any channel, is designed for fear. Conservatives can be the most fearful. Fearful about, you know, I, I saw people that were more afraid of um, the, like, think about this. Conservatives and, and even Christians, Christians preach, we, we shouldn't be fear, uh, afraid about this virus. We should be in complete and total faith. I can't believe there's people that are in fear wearing masks. But then I saw the same Christians who said that get up and say, well, now we found that th the evil vaccine can be transferred from person to person. And so, and I, someone I know said, we should be careful to not be around people that have gotten the vaccine. I started thinking, please, give me a break. You believe God that he can protect you from a virus but not the, not the vaccine from the virus. Give me a break. That's fear as well. So don't write it off like you're some uh, faith warrior. Got to be careful around people that are, that are vaccinated because even if that is true, whether the, the vaccine can be, you know, it's... People can get nuts, but it's, it's a plan by the government to, to transfer it to. The, the same thing 
The same way COVID dies when it touches my body is the same way that would die, touching my body. So don't compartmentalize it and think, oh, because I'm, you know, because it's conservative news, it's not worry. Fear and worry. Fear and worry. That is a, uh, a sure way to stop the flow of the presence of God in your home. So, you know what is a good idea? Turn off the news. Turn off the news. Evangelist, or, or Pastor Ted, did a whole broadcast saying, entitled, Why I Stopped Watching the News. Why I Stopped Watching the News. You, you can find it on this channel, you can find it on the podcast platforms. Why I Stopped Watching the News. It's all fear. And if you're, if you're looking to cultivate your house as a um, vessel of the presence of God, where you're actually believing in these 21 days that because I'm in a place, then peace and, and, uh, uh, peace and joy have, have stepped in. Because I step in, peace and joy have stepped in. If you're going to put your faith at that level, you can't be playing things that are saying the opposite. Are you a male that is a, over the age of 40? You might be in risk uh, of prostate cancer. Playing 24-7. Pharmaceutical commercials, playing 24-7. Are you a woman over the age of 50? Have you ever had smallpox as a kid? Then the shingles virus is already living on the inside of you. That's fear and worry. Does that go with the Word of God or not? Or is that contrary to the Word of God? It's contrary to the Word of God. And the Spirit and the Word, they agree. So if you're going to have a, an atmosphere of the, the anointing in your house, you can't have lies of the devil be playing in the same house. What partnership does light have with darkness? Or Satan have with Christ? None. Purify the, mes the message that's being spoken in your house. Maybe you grew up, grew up in a house where all you heard from your parents was, you're so stupid, you can't get anything wrong, right, which I don't know anything about. My parents... Like, I lived in the exact opposite, in the exact opposite. I can't think, like, you know, my parents growing up, it wasn't like that. Many people have that story where people say, you know, my parents were abusive and stuff like that, and that, that's a tragic thing. But I can't, I can't relate to that because my parents, always encouraging, all, you know, always uplifting. Um, and so that's why the, the presence of the Lord was cultivated in my house, and people can tell. But if that was you and you grew up in that household where all you heard was like, you know, you heard cursing, you know, people drinking all the time. Your dad would get home, I need a beer. You know, crack open a beer. Honey, bring a Coors Light. Always saying to you things like you can't get anything right. All, you know, always just messages from the enemy. That, then that's the atmosphere that's going to be in that house. And that's the atmosphere in which you can tell, something's off. Your words carry power. The message that's being spoken in your home carries power. Purify the message that's being spoken in your home. Purify the message that's being spoken in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit hears what you say. That's why confession is so important. Not only do your words create your future, but your words um, carry the presence of God. So how can out of the same mouth come be healed in Jesus' name, but also out of the same mouth come gossip? That's double-mindedness. Jesse, we will pray. We will pray.
Lilia Petty said, you're right. Thank you. Double-mindedness. Purify the message that's in your, in your mouth and in your home. We'll burn through these quickly because if, if I don't get through these quickly, I won't get through them. Get, so how to cultivate? Get rid of things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, get rid of things. Number two of that point, I didn't mention it, but get rid of people that grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of people in your life that are always spewing unbelief. Get rid of people in your life that do fit these characteristics of worry, you know, full of worry, full of fear, full of doubt. Don't have anything to do with those people. Yes, witness to them, but don't bring them in your inner circle. They will impact how you live and what you receive. That's why I'm thankful for you. If you go, listen to this, if you go to the Facebook page, uh, the Victory Tribe Facebook page, you can't find an ounce of unbelief. The, the, um, you know, the 21 Day Fast Facebook page. All you see is, I'm believing. I'm standing with you. I believe God can do it. That's why I love you guys. I believe this ministry has the best, minist or, uh, this ministry has the best partners of any ministry. That's a, you know, maybe that's not right to say. I believe it. All you hear is faith. That's why, that's why this, this is the victory tribe. We don't believe in, in, in the failure tribe. You know what I'm saying. Get around people that are uplifting. Kick people out of your life that have these characteristics, have these characteristics living in blatant sin, worry, fear, where, where even if you turn off the news, the, a person that you bring into your house can be the news source all by themselves. Did you hear what Biden was doing? He signed in a law called the, uh, e the, the Marriage Equality Act, and this is really, you know, like, I feel like a, a principality is coming over the United States because of this, and if you're going to cut off the news, cut off the news in all forms. Don't have your, you know, your aunt who, who loves to spew the news because they're worried about it, and they just want to tell you, and they want to get you all worked up and be mad at the Democrats about what they're doing. So, get rid of things and people that grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of blatant sin. Get rid of worry. Get rid of fear. And then, consistently fill yourself up, fill yourself up with the Word, preaching and teaching. Consistently fill yourself up with the Word. If you haven't done it already, I think it's a fantastic idea if you have a Bluetooth speaker in your home, or you have a speaker in your home, some people have uh, Alexas that just turned on just because I said that, and people are mad at me now because in their home. Alexa, you know, and, and I'm sorry, if that actually happened, my bad. People have uh, uh, HomePods or whatever. If you have that, I would, I would highly suggest, importantly during this fast, but, but all the time, this shouldn't just be when you're fasting. You should use that as an avenue to always have preaching and teaching playing. You know, one of the things that I can note looking back in my life has been an advantage in my life um, is, is this thing that I learned pretty early. That I would go to revival meetings and I would go to my uncle's meetings and I would just feel the presence of, I would feel the tangible presence of God. Like, you know, like, like and I had never felt that before really. I, I just wanted to shout, wanted to dance, wanted to, Praise, right? So that's the, that's the anointing. I feel the anointing, and then I go home and I think, I think, now how do I feel that all the time? 
And so we don't have an excuse in this generation with YouTube. You have no excuse, I'm sorry. Because there are hundreds and thousands of Holy Ghost messages at your fingertips. And so I learned this pretty easy. What I would do is I would throw in my, my headphones. I would even do this in school. I would do this in school when my teachers would say, um, you know, if you're, if you're done with your work, you can do whatever, you know. Many people would throw on, you know, they'd throw in Post Malone, Cardi B, Bruno Mars, whatever. I would throw in Holy Ghost preaching. And so what that does, it's, it's constantly feeding your spirit, so your spirit's being fed, but it's constantly bringing faith into your atmosphere. You know, just the same way that, you know, the reason that people who spew uh, doubt, unbelief, worry, fear is because they're just echoing what they've heard. That's why people that are worrisome, nine times out of ten, always have the news on. They're, it's, they're not coming up with worry on their own. They're hearing the demonic agenda. They're hearing the demonic voice. They're just repeating what, what the news are, is saying and what worry, other worried people are saying. So you speak out of the abundance because it enters your heart, your eyes, your ears. Those are the, the gate to the heart. It enters your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of times, I don't, I don't blame these people specifically. A lot of times, it's, it's the environment in which they grew up. But in the same way, you just spew everything that you've heard. What if all that you've heard all your life was Holy Ghost preaching, was preaching of the Word, was hearing, was hearing uplifting things, not hearing you never get anything right, you're so stupid, but hearing people say, you know, you're, you're all that God's created you to be. You're gifted, you're talented. It's the confession that my, my cousins, you know, I, I was able to do it with them last night, or, the, or was it the night before? Because um, their parents were out of town. They said, they said, I didn't tell them, I didn't say, all right, let's pray. They said, all right, we, we need to pray before we go to bed. And I was like, wow, man, this is, you know. And so they started, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm whole, I'm wise, I'm powerful, I'm mighty, I'm strong, I'm smart, right? So they go through their confessions, found out of, you know, they start building it out of Revelation 5.12, and they started adding things that they found in the Word of God, good confessions about themselves. But what if that's all they've heard? Then that's all they'll say. Always keep on. See, Joshua, this is why I love you, man. Always, see, you're always encouraging me. Joshua said, I started listening to the last, I'm, I'm assuming TLG is the last gen. It's really embarrassing when it's not. I started listening to the last gen podcast at the gym instead of hype music. It hyped me up even more. That's true. I do that. Not of my own, of my own preaching. and That would be kind of self-centered. But I, I listen to Holy Ghost preachers, Holy Ghost teachers at the gym when I go. When I, when I go to the gym, that's what I do. It's building up your spirit. Find times. If you, are, if you have a Bluetooth speaker, have preaching on all the time. Watch the atmosphere that it creates. You can't be listening to the Word of God preached under the anointing for too long before you start like getting up and dancing around your house. Before you start hoping the devil was outside so you could go put your uh, foot on his throat. It happened in Acts chapter 14. A man that was crippled from birth was sitting listening to Paul. 
And and Paul, they were Luke recounts as Paul was preaching, he perceived or he realized that the man had faith, or or got faith to be made well. What happened as Paul was preaching the word? Faith was stirring up in the heart of that man. That's saying, if, if what this man is saying is true, I, I don't have to be sick for another day. I don't have to be crippled for another day. So then he stopped what he was doing. He stopped preaching. And he said, man, get up in Jesus' name. Walk in Jesus' name. And he was healed. Preaching and teaching constantly. That's a secret. That's, that's, a, that's a tip that you, can, that you can implement. Very practical. Do it and see what happens. I promise you. And you'll, and you'll see the, the presence of the Lord flood the atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere of your work. the atmosphere, just, just even, I mean, just like Moses, after he got out of the presence of God, the Bible says his face shone like the noonday sun. Out of you, if you live in a place where that's, that's where you live, I live in a place where I'm always hearing the word of God. I'm always hearing faith-filled preaching. You come out of your home, people sense it on your, on your person. And it's just stirring me up thinking about always listening to the Word of God. And if you don't have a, an avenue to do that, download the Miracle Word app. Inside, there's a, a place that says 24-hour radio. Click 24-hour radio and start playing that. Because you don't have to think about, like, what message I'm going to put on, you know, what, what, what I'm going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not scout, you know, scourging for messages. But it's just, it's just there. Push play. You know you're getting Holy Ghost preaching. It's Pastor Ted just preaching, just preaching the word, and it'll build your faith. I made very good use of that in my younger years. Not that I'm not young now. I, I hear the voice of um, people that are older than me saying, oh, this kid thinks he's, he's you know, not young anymore. I'll agree, I am young. Do that, see what happens. And you'll see the presence of the Lord flood your life like never before. And with the presence of the Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. He keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on, them, on Him. Let's pray. I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray that God floods us with His presence this year. That this year would be remarkable. And that we can tell an even greater measure of the anointing on our lives. Father, in Jesus' name, we have the same prayer of Moses. That if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go with us to the job, we don't want to go. If your presence isn't with us in our homes, I don't want to be there. If your presence isn't with us in our churches, we don't want to go there. Father, it's all about your presence. Your word says in John 17, this is eternal life that they may, they may know you. They may know you. Father, we want to know you and an even greater measure this year. Father, transform the atmosphere around us. We thank you that as we press into your word, we press into prayer, that your atmosphere, your, your spirit, your peace, your joy would flood our atmosphere, flood our homes, flood our friend groups, that even unbelievers can sense around us that we've been with Jesus, that they'll say of us even after we're gone, Alex, he's been with Jesus. In Jesus' name, let the Holy Spirit work through us in an even greater measure this year to see more people saved, to see more people healed. Speak to us to witness to people like never before. Use us, Lord, 
Use us. We consecrate our lives to you. Let us be an open vessel for your spirit. Anything in our lives, if we're doing anything that grieves your spirit, that grieves the Holy Spirit, convict us of it now, Lord. Let it be uprooted now. Let a pure heart be found in me, Lord. If there's anything wrong, root it out now by the fire of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. We thank you that your presence will mark this year. That this year will be a remarkable year because it's, it's a year of your presence, of your tangible, manifest presence in our lives. Lord, I pray that even as we get into reading our Bible on a daily basis, that it wouldn't be hard to break through the flesh and get to the Spirit. But Lord, that it would, there would come a grace, come an ease to getting into your presence. Help us to understand our, our right standing with you. Convict us of our righteousness before you so that there's no blockage, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. There's nothing holding us back from your presence. In Jesus' name, convict us of our righteousness. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those right now who are going through a tough time, those who need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would comfort them with your presence. Let a peace that passes all understanding be made very real in their homes, wherever they are. Those who need comfort, I send comfort in Jesus' name, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Those who need joy, I send the joy of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you that we are happy people, that we are peaceful people, that we don't have to worry about anything. We thank you that we're walking in complete, a complete and perfect peace that passes all understanding. Father, this year, as we've consecrated to you, continue to increase us, continue to use us, continue to use us in a greater measure, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Increase us financially. Let every seed that we've sown financially bring forth a great harvest, in Jesus' name. Let every seed that we've sown into people bring forth a great harvest, in Jesus' name. Just as your word declares that some water, some sow, some water, but only God brings the increase. Lord, as we sow the word into our friends and family this year, we, we recognize that only you can bring the increase. Only you can bring the increase in souls. Only you can bring people to yourself. That nobody can be saved except, the spirit that, except if the Spirit draws them. So Lord, let the seeds that we've sown of the gospel in people's heart, find good ground that they'd be convicted of their sin and turn their lives to you. We're believing for house, household salvations this year in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That us and our house will be saved, that nobody will be missing on that day, the morning of eternity, that no one will be missing that we love. Let every seed of the gospel that we've sown take root and find good ground in Jesus' name. Bring the increase, Lord. Bring the increase. Father, we pray right now for the work that you're doing here in South Florida. We recognize that only you can bring the increase in Miracle Word Church. Only you can bring the increase in our youth group, in our kids' ministry, 
in every endeavor that we set our hand to, only you can bring the increase. So Father, as we're faithful to sow seeds of the word, as we're faithful to preach the word, to minister to God's people in excellence, Lord, I pray that you'd send droves and droves of people that the harvest, that because the harvest is white and ready, that we would be able to reap the harvest with ease in Jesus' name. That there would be lots and lots of people that would be saved by this work in South Florida. Father, we thank you that everything going forward will be very easy. Building, logistics, finances. We thank you already that it's going to be very, very easy. That everything hard is moved out of our way in Jesus' name. But thank you, Lord, that the church will be marked by a tangible presence, a tangible anointing. Father, I pray for myself that you would teach me to operate in a more full way in the anointing, in a more pure way in the anointing, that those kids that come into Last Gen Youth, that come into that, that sanctuary, whether they're broken, they're addicted, they're, they're depressed, they're suicidal, they're confused, let the anointing break every yoke of bondage. Father, right now for everyone listening, let them be taught. Teach them how to flow in the anointing in a more, more pure way, in Jesus' name. That everyone that comes into contact with them, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And we thank you that we'll see real, tangible increase in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, type amen in the comments. Type amen in the comments. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.